And welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In My Father's House, written by Corey Tenboom, and it is permission by Light Trails Publishing and the Tenboom Foundation. And we are on Chapter 2, Five is Not Too Young. In 1892, the year I was born, Holland was entering an exciting, important era. In a few years, Wilhelmina would be crowned queen at the tender age of 18. There were signs which indicated that the stability of that latter part of the 19th century would soon be rocked by the rattling of German swords. Foreign policy was being shaped around the lines of power as young Kaiser William II ruled the country which later played an important part in my life. History in the making means nothing to a child, but it was a world event for me when Mother and Tante Anna pinched a gilder hard enough to squeeze out some sugar and butter for those fat little sugar cookies I loved. The fragrance of baking would float from the iron stove into the shop and tantalize the customers, just as it put us in a happy mood. When I was five years old, I learned to read. I loved stories, particularly those about Jesus. He was a member of the Ten Boom family. It was as easy to talk to him as it was to carry a conversation with my mom and father and my aunts or my brother and sisters. He was there. One day, my mother was watching me play house. In my little girl world of fantasy, she saw that I was pretending to call on a neighbor. I knocked on the make-believe door and waited. No one answered. Corey, I know someone who is standing at your door and knocking right now. Was she playing a game with me? I know now that there was a, a preparation within my childish heart for that moment. The Holy Spirit makes us ready for acceptance of Jesus Christ, of turning our life over to him. Jesus said that he is standing at the door, and if you invite him in, he will come into your heart. My mother continued, would you like to invite Jesus in? At that moment, my mother was the most beautiful person in the whole world to me. Yes, Mama, I want Jesus in my heart. So she took my little hand in hers and we prayed together. It was so simple, and yet Jesus Christ says that we all must come as children, no matter what our age, social standing, or intellectual background. When Mother told me later about this experience, I recalled it clearly. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him, and he with me. Revelation 3.20 But you are so little. Does a child of five really know what he's doing? Some people say that children don't have spiritual understanding, that we should wait until a child can make up his mind for himself. I believe a child should be led, not left to wonder. Jesus became more real to me from that time on. Mother told me later that I began to pray for others as young as I was. The street behind our house was the Smedelstadt. It was filled with saloons and many of the happenings that were frightening to me. As I played outside jumping rope or joined with Noli, my sister, in a game of ball and stones, I saw the police pick up these lurching, incoherent men as they slumped to the ground or slouched in a doorway and take them into the police station. I would stand before the police station behind the baye and watch the drunks being pushed in. It made me shiver. The building was made of dark red brick, and way at the top were the turrets with small windows. Were these the cells, I wondered? It was in that same police station years later that my father and all his children and a grandson were taken after being arrested for helping Jews escape from the German Gestapo. 
As a child, I would be so concerned for those arrested that I would run into the house sobbing. Mother, I'm afraid those poor men are going to be hurt. They're so sick. Bless Mother's understanding. She would say, pray for them, Corey. And I would pray for those drunks. Dear Jesus, please help those men. And Jesus, help all the people on Smedelstadt. Many years later, I spoke on a television station in Holland, and I received a letter after the program which said, My husband was especially interested because you told us that you had lived in Harlem. He lived in a house on Schmettelstraat. Three years ago, he accepted Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. I read that letter and recalled the prayers of little Corey. That man whose wife wrote me was one person I had prayed for 75 years before. Does he listen? At another time in my later years, I was camping with a number of Harlem girls. Around the campfire one evening, we were talking about the Lord and chattering about the pleasant events of the day. Do you know that I am a neighbor of yours? One of the girls asked me. I live in the Smedelstadt. I lived there until five years ago, said another girl. My mother lived there too, said a third. We all began to laugh to discover that all 18 of those girls who were sleeping in the big camp tent had lived on that street or their parents had lived there. They found it an amusing coincidence. Listen, I said, I just remember something that I had almost forgotten. When I was five or six years old, I used to pray every day for the people in the Smettelstraat. The fact that we've been talking about Jesus and that God has even used me to reach some of your parents is an answer to the prayer of a little child. Never doubt whether God hears our prayers, even the unusual ones. How often we think when a prayer is not answered that God has said no. Many times he has simply said, wait. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 55:17. The future comes quickly. When we were very young, the future was so hard to grasp. My father had one coming event which he mentioned in every prayer. It baffled me. I didn't want to ask in front of the entire family. I thought they might think I was foolish to ask something I heard several times a day. I waited until Father came upstairs to tuck me in. This was a time I could ask him anything. Papa, you always pray in every prayer. Let soon come that great day when Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, comes on the clouds of heaven. Why are you longing for that day? Corey men, remember when you saw the men drunk and fighting in the Schmettelstadt and they were taken to the police station? The whole world is filled with fighting. You may see worse fighting in your lifetime than what you have seen on the street. I hope not. Fighting upset me. In the Bible, Papa continued, we read that Jesus has promised to return to this world, to make everything new. The world is now covered with hatred, but when Jesus returns, the world will be covered with the knowledge of God, like the water covers the bottom of the sea. Thinking of that wonderful day, I knew why Papa prayed for it so often. Oh, Papa, then everyone will know about Jesus. I'll be very happy when he comes. Let the children come. Decades later, I was speaking to a group when I challenged parents to bring their little ones to the Lord Jesus. He has said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19.14 Then I told how I had made a decision for Jesus when I was five years old. After that talk, I left the platform and went into a small room in the building where I found a father with two little boys on his knees. The father had an arm around both of those boys, and I moved back quietly while the man told the boys tenderly 
that they were not too young to ask Jesus to come into their hearts. What a wonderful heritage those boys have to know that their father cared enough about them to lead them to a knowledge of their Heavenly Father. Later, I received a letter from a lady who told me the results of her life that evening. I went home after that meeting and went directly to my little girl, Mary, who was in bed. She knew about the Lord because she had been to Sunday school, but that night, in her bed, she gave her heart to Jesus. The next morning, she said, Oh, Mommy, I am so happy that Jesus is now in my heart. He made me a child of God. Mary was singing the whole time before she went to school, and I was amazed that she sang many songs about heaven. My husband went to school to pick her up that day, and as he approached the schoolhouse, he noticed that a great many people were standing around, and there obviously had been an accident. Then he saw what happened. Mary was on the street. Her little body crumpled like a rag doll. She was dead. As I read that letter, my eyes were so filled with tears that the words blurred. Mary had passed behind a big transport truck and had not seen another car, which was coming towards her from the other direction. She was killed immediately. My husband brought her little body home. He was in deep despair, and then he remembered the songs Mary had sung that morning. I told him what had happened in the evening before, and right then, my husband, who had never made a decision for the Lord Jesus, accepted him as his Savior. On Mary's burial day, Many children of her class came to the Lord. I sat for a long time with that letter on my lap, realizing that I must have a new sense of urgency to talk to parents about the joy of leading their children to the Lord. What a wonderful assurance Mary's parents had to know that someday they would be with her again. During some of my talks, I have often repeated the little poem, Safe, said a precious little laddie to his father one bright day, May I give myself to Jesus, let him wash my sins away? Oh, my son, but you're so little, wait until you're growing old. Bigger folks, tis true, do need him, but little folks are safe, you know. Said the father to his laddie as a storm was coming on, Are the sheep all safely sheltered? Safe within the fold, my son. All the big ones are, my father, but the lambs I let them go. For I didn't think it mattered, the little ones are safe, you know. Author Unknown there shows a picture of the little girl, and at the caption is, Mary, the little girl who died that day after she accepted the Lord. It's a very precious picture. Praying for Crazy Thighs, T-H-Y-S. As a girl in Harlem, I prayed for a man most people avoided. His nickname was Crazy Thighs. He was a town tramp who was also mentally handicapped. I pitied him. And when I was five or six years old, I started to talk about this to the Lord. How curious the little minds of children are. Was it my mother or one of my aunts who gave me the advice to cast my burden on the Lord in prayer? Or did the Lord himself give me that motivation? Every prayer in the evening and in the morning ended with this request. And Lord, be with all the people in Schmettelstadt and also crazy thighs. My sister Noli was only a year and a half older than I, and she seemed so much wiser. I remember walking with her through Smutterstadt one day and stopped to watch a crowd of children surrounding someone they were taunting and teasing. As we inched closer to the others and wanted to know what was happening, but a bit afraid of getting involved in something that would look so mean, we realized that poor old Crazy Thighs was standing in the middle of the circle, confused and hurt, showing in his face. I was so full of pity for poor thighs and angry at the cruel children that I shouted, You leave him alone, do you hear? The children stopped at my bold challenge. 
Thais looked for his defender and saw a little girl less than half his size. Suddenly he walked towards me and stooped down. I could smell the unpleasant odor of his unwashed clothes and matted beard. He put his hand under my chin and kissed me on both cheeks. Nolly was shocked. She grabbed my hand and pulled me home as fast as we could run, down the Schmettelstrat, into the alley which ran beside our house, and through the side door we raced. Auntie, someone hurry. That dirty old crazy thighs kissed Corey. Let's wash her cheeks. My face was so thoroughly washed I was afraid my skin would fall off. I heard someone say such a dangerous tramp shouldn't be allowed to go freely in the streets. Stinging from the rebuke as well as the face scrubbing, I went to my mother. Mama, why was it so bad that Crazy Thighs kissed me? He's such a poor, unhappy man. Everybody makes fun of him. Mother took me into her bed and talked quietly with me as I nestled against her soft shoulder. She said, Cory, man, it's good that you have pity for this man. The Lord Jesus gives you love for Crazy Thighs and for the drunken men in the Schmadlestrat. Jesus loves sinners. But before they're going to love him, these men can be very bad. It's wise to keep a little distance, but there's one great thing you and I can do, and you're doing that already. Pray faithfully for them. Shortly after that incident, Crazy Thighs disappeared from the streets. I don't know how the Lord worked in his life, but a deep concern for the feeble-minded was fostered in me. That faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15 Fear no evil except A child is not fearless, contrary to what parents may think at times. A child is often a bundle of unexpressed fears, unknown terrors, and shadowy worries. I was afraid of the doctor's office, my family's leaving me, and the mystery of death. Nolly's nightgown was my contact with security. We slept in the same bed, and I can remember clinging to Nolly's nightgown as long as she would allow me. Poor Nolly, when she would try to turn, she would be anchored by my little fist, clasping her tightly. One day, Mother took Nolly and me to visit a woman whose baby had died. I wish Nolly had been allowed to wear her nightgown on that journey because I needed desperately to hang on to it. We climbed a narrow staircase and entered the poorly furnished room of one of Mama's lame ducks the name we children had given to her prodigies. Although we often did not have sufficient money for ourselves, Mother always found someone who was in greater need. In that shabby little room was a crib with a baby inside. It didn't move at all, and its skin was very white. Nolly stood next to the crib and touched the baby's cheek. Feel that, she said to me. It's so cold. I touched the little hand and then ran to my mother and buried my face in her lap. I had touched death for the first time and it seemed that the impression of cold remained with me for hours and hours. When we returned home, I ran up the narrow stairs to my bedroom and leaned against the antique chest of drawers. There was enormous fear in my heart, almost terror. In my imagination, I pictured the future in which I saw myself all alone, my family gone, and I left desolate. My family was my security, but that day I saw death, and I knew that they could die, too. I had never thought about that before. The dinner bell rang downstairs and I was so grateful to go to the big oval table, get warm again and feel the security of being with my family. I thought how stupid the grown-ups would think I was if I told them about the fear which was still in my heart. I ate dinner quietly that night, which was not easy when you're in the midst of such a lively family. Our dinner table spilled over with conversation. After dinner, Father took the Bible as he always did and began to read the lines from Psalm 46 too. 
Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? I sat up straight in my chair and stared at my father. I didn't know much about mountains, living in a flat, flat Holland, but I certainly knew a lot about fear. I thought Papa must have known exactly what my problem was that night. My faith in Papa and the words he read from the Bible was absolute. If they said not to fear, then God would take care of it, and I felt secure again. The next chapter is From Small Beginnings. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now.